What's up, ladies and gents, and welcome to another episode of Dual Senses, a PlayStation podcast where we give you our two cents in all things PlayStation. My name is Alex Wolf, and I'm joined by the one, the only, Steven, the Wandong Morrow. Wandong? Wandong. What, what's a Wandong? I don't know. Short Dong, Long Dong, Long Dong. He, she, me, Wombo. Wombo? I feel yeah. like, is, is that a Shadow Warriors reference? No, that's a, a Star the Wong Dong? Yeah, the Wong Dong. Dong. I don't know. You can catch the show live each and every Friday night at 9.30 Eastern. If you can't catch the show live, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Of course, be sure to rate, review, follow, and share wherever you're listening. If you want to join the show, show the show a huge level of love. Head on over to www.mtfproductions.com forward slash donate, where you can send as little as a dollar, and we can put that towards giving you the best PlayStation podcast we can deliver. Steven. Steven it's the Demon. It's a big demon week. And Steven. It's a big motherfucking week, my friend. Yeah, uh, months have led up to this moment. To this moment. And we've got more months... <laughs> Between yeah. now and the moment to happen. <laughs> but we got some small bits. We got some small bits before we get to the big bits. Yep. We're going to talk about those small bits first. We can get through those pretty quickly. And then we'll make our way to the big, the biggest bit. Possibly the might be the biggest bit of all PlayStation news that we get all year. I mean, we're talking. It, they're, they're changing infrastructure, my boy. I mean, that's the, okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's you fair. know, I mean, yeah, it may not be a new product coming out, but they're changing the infrastructure here. Changing the way we do our plusing. You're spoiling it. Plusing. Kicking things off, PlayStation has laid off over 90 North American workers. This comes from the source over at Video Games Chronicle, a.k.a. BGC. Um, this layoff, uh, the company is just looking to focus more on direct-to-consumer sales. They saw a huge surge in the digital sales space and have for quite a while, making up half of their sales last year. Um and this is what we're talking here. These are people that worked, if you worked in any kind of retail space that sold video games, like a GameStop, uh, a GameSpot, or not GameSpot, GameStop, uh, Best Buy, Target, Walmart. If you saw like a local PlayStation rep who would probably give you quizzes, little goodies, let you know the new products, all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, it sounds like they're extinct like the dodo. No longer there. It's sad. Uh, Steven, you and I came from a GameStop where we had one of the coolest PlayStation reps. Uh, we actually knew a PlayStation, a former GameStop store manager became a PlayStation rep. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how this affects things. I don't think it's going to be anything too major personally. But, I mean, with the success of the PlayStation Direct store as well, which I didn't realize how successful that was until I read this and was like, oh, I didn't think a lot of people used it too much. It's outside of just another method to get a PS5. Because that's how you got the the invite to purchase one, to wait in line was that, and it was only available in the U.S. for the what a little over a year and a half. It's been available now, and it just launched in the U.K. and Germany in November 2021, and it will eventually become more available throughout the uh, the world. Stephen, your thoughts? Um, so, I mean, it's always sad when people lose their job. Um, yeah. So, you know, my. Uh, what is it? Condolences um, and best wishes, I guess, go out to, to everyone who was laid off. Um, I will say like the Sony reps that worked directly with us when we were at GameStop, um, they were amazing people, like 
phenomenal people. Um, so I, I feel bad for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, I, I do agree with what you said where like, I I don't think this is really going to change much of anything. I mean, this is just kind of the way that things are going. And, uh, like as, as shitty as it is to say, um, the main job for, a uh, like a Sony rep or a PlayStation rep at a retail place is to educate the people who work there and to just deliver merchandise. Um, but that can be done without having a physical person there. So, right. um, so yeah, it is kind of sad though, because, um, PlayStation experience <laughs> was <laughs> staffed almost entirely by the Sony reps. Um, when, when that was going on. And I feel like this is just, it suggests that PlayStation experience is just not going to happen again, which makes me very sad. Um, Cause I think it was the best trade show in the industry, but, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's about all I've got to say about that. Yeah. I mean, and even add on more to that. I mean, for those working in the retail, physical retail space, um, you've probably noticed over the last several years that you see less and less of these reps. There was less coverage. Yeah. I think these are 90 individuals trying to cover an entire landscape of retail stores out there to promote and and educate um, retail associates on the PlayStation products. That's a lot of ground to cover for a yeah. very small group of people. So if anything, they might it might be a blessing for those who are working this job. It might be a, an excuse for them to finally look elsewhere to find something that's probably not as stressful. I mean, we knew the rep we had, she was driving all the way up from the top of Ohio down to as south as Tennessee, if not further. And then not to mention directions east and west just to cover all that space. It was ridiculous uh, how much she would cover. And on top of yeah. working events, you know, not only the PlayStation experience, but any events happening. So the, the, uh, the PlayStation roadshow they had with the truck, um, the E3 showcases we saw where they were hosting them in theaters, they would work uh, the PlayStation experience. Like the, those who couldn't be at the convention would work the experience at the movie theaters. Like they did a lot like a lot of work <laughs> and I imagine for not the greatest of pay sometimes. <laughs> so, so I imagine this, it might be a blessing disguise for them. Granted, you know, I don't know their personal situations, but I, again, wish them all the best um, in their future endeavors and hope something new and exciting comes from it from them for them. Um, Next up. Oh, are we ahead. real fast? Um, yeah. Can we address the, the comment? The comment? Yeah. Someone wrote in. Oh, I, I sorry. I, I, I was in the private chat, not the comments. Uh, what's so, better, Xbox 360 or PS3? This is from Chucker on Twitch. <laughs> Chucker. I actually really enjoy I that hope name. I'm <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Hello, Chucker. Um, Thanks for tuning in. You know, it, it. at the end of the day, it comes down to what you prefer. I think the biggest influence is what your friends play, right? You're playing online. It's a huge aspect. Um with the PlayStation 3, you don't have to you don't have to pay for a service to play online. With the 360, you did. Now, granted, with that being said, I think it's damn near definitive that the Xbox 360 had a better online can online experience than the PlayStation 3 did. Um, also, a lot more games functioned better on the 360 than on the PS3, just due to the nature of the development. Um, but the PS3 still had some banger exclusives that ended up becoming a big driving force for the PS4. Uh, so 
if that's my two cents on it, it personally obviously i lean more ps3 but i think a, a solid solid argument can be made for the 360 for sure uh i think pretty objectively the 360 was a better console just you know all in all but you know, well hold on i'm gonna stop you right there <laughs> now hold on a second first all right, of all, all right. my first question is i would ask like what time frame because like uh early 360 versus early ps3 like ps3 launched pretty expensive um, 360 was more affordable. 360 had a, a larger library at first. However, it also launched a year earlier. That's true. But also, <laughs> at the end of the generation, I'm going to say that there's no... It, it's, it's pretty hard to objectively say that the PS3 is not the better console. I'm, I'm going on that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die on that hill uh, okay. because it was a more versatile machine. <laughs> It had an objectively better library of games. I th I think. I mean, if we look at the the okay, well, hold on. That's subjectively then. <laughs> well, looking at like Metacritic scores, for example, the average Metacritic score for the exclusives, um, a lot of the most popular 360 exclusives eventually came out on the PS3. It took some time to get there, but <laughs> um, but also PS3. Uh, <laughs> But also, PS3 sold more. In the end, PS3 mm -hmm. outsold the 360. Um, and let's also remember a little thing called the Red Ring of Death. All right? 360 got dangerously close to a 50% failure rate. That's pretty fucked, if you ask me. So, that, that's true. PS3, better console, hands down. Especially if you um, are able to look back retroactively and, and examine what happened here. Um, but yeah, we can we can go a little further on that later. But we've we've still got some news that we got to cover. You hold on, hold on. So Chucker says you wrap it in a towel and leave that bitch running. Come back and you're gaming. If you have to wrap your console in a towel, <laughs> then how the fuck is it better? <laughs> that is. <laughs> but not gonna lie, if we had a comment of the week, it would be that. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> it works. You just gotta just wrap it in a towel. That is that is beautiful. Like <laughs> that is solid answer. Like, like you know, we don't fuck around here. You, you, you do what you gotta do to play the damn games. That means wrapping a towel. That's what you gotta fucking do, Stephen. Uh, also, all right. Um, uh, well, here, let, let's move on. We can't cover every comment that comes around. Right, right. Well, I, I appreciate. Fast, I just want to say you're an attractive. You look, you look smart, and you're attractive. You look like an MIT graduate. There we go. Thank you. I by no means am an MIT graduate, like, at all. But well, hold on, I appreciate this, the comments. This was, this was from 100% uh, true. So we know it's 100% true. I can't that, argue it. Damn. All right. I, I, am, I am an MIT graduate. There we go. All right. Following up. Next bit of news here. We've got new Sony studio Fire Sprite is making a AAA horror game in Unreal Engine 5. This also comes from Video Games Chronicle, aka VGC. Uh, kudos to VGC. I love everything they do. Like, probably my favorite source of any kind of video game news. Um, but I digress. A job listing was posted on a developer's site, um, just looking for a lead narrative role. Um, just coming up with a, again, just really expanding, like, hey, we're looking for someone with, someone with experience and writing a horror narrative, single player experience. I was like, okay, cool. Um, there's a lot going on over at Fire Sprite. They have 
for being one of the more smaller studios in the PlayStation Studios label, um, they've got their hands full. So not only with this, but they're you know co-developing the Horizon Call of the Wild game for PSVR 2, along with Guerrilla Games. And it is heavily, heavily reported that they are working on the new Twisted Metal game, uh, taking over from Lucid Games. So they got they got a lot, a lot moving. A whole lot of moving yeah. parts there. How big is that studio? How many people are uh, employed there? I'm not sure. Let me let me take a look here, because I mean, they're they're a conglomerate of a lot of people. You know, we got some people that left. Um, one of the guys headed up the original pitch of Drive Club and headed up MotorStorm as well. Um, let's see how many employees. Because didn't they used to do a lot of like contractual work? Um, like they they were like a support studio while also working on their own things. I thought. Yeah. Uh, so I thought um, they were pretty big. They've got 265 employees as of yeah, 2021. Yeah, they can totally, <laughs> they can they can make three games. Yeah, and then also, I mean, with Horizon being co-developed, I imagine, you know, I don't know what the ratio is of how much of that's them and how much of that's Gorilla. So I imagine Gorilla is more there and Fire Sprite maybe has more experience with VR and is able to implement certain things in VR and like, hey, you can't, more like an assist, you know, like letting them like, hey, what you want to do in concept Sounds great, but it may not be feasible with what we're working with here. Um, well, also, like I feel like VR games usually have smaller teams, anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, like I can, I could see the that Horizon VR game only taking like thirty of them um, in house, and then doing a lot of like you know working with Gorilla, and then maybe doing some out outsourcing for certain things. Uh, but God, two hundred—that's a massive. That's a lot. Yeah, I was not what I was expecting over there <laughs> at all, but. Here we are. Yeah. Well, uh, do you think that this is going to be a um, new IP? Or do you think that this is going to be a uh, a sort of revamp? Um, like uh, maybe Silent Hill? I don't expect Silent Hill. Um, because it's that's still owned under Konami. So I doubt Fire Sprite would be working on a different publisher's game. That would everything behind that would just be like the legalities of it would be extremely but there are rumors on the internet Alex. i don't give a shit steven uh, if it's on the internet it's true but um i i expect a new ip i would like a new ip um while playstation's got this broad you know legacy of games right they have a massive library i can you can only dip into the well so many times before you're like okay we need something new especially if we're talking horror games like there are a vast amount of horror games that we see a like con i mean resident evil's on its eighth mainline entry just the mainline so like there's a and there's good been, opportunity like, off for every mainline game exactly so th there's a good we don't need another reboot of another game we i would like to see personally a new ip um uh, that being said it could easily be a reboot of is there an echo do you hear an echo i don't okay let me interrupt me um but it could also be a reboot of like uh, VGC. Hence, that it could be Siren. Um, so that's something I didn't think about. But in that game, was you know, it had a couple. It wasn't this long gestated thing. So I could see that coming back and still having a fresh take and not be this like, oh, we've already seen this before, move on kind of deal. Um, that, that's my take on it, though. What yeah. about you? What do you think? Um, so I. I, I would prefer for it to be a new IP. I think the new IP is va more valuable 
uh, because you can do whatever you want with it, basically. Um, I just I like I like fueling the the rumors a little bit um, with mostly just with things involving Silent Hill uh, because <laughs> it's just it's become such a such a thing, you know. Like this generation, no, it, I mean, it started like halfway through last generation. It's like a it's just become a thing, and I feel like uh, any announcement that has to do with it now is just going to explode when it happens, not if it happens, because at this point it has to happen. I think. I don't know. Like, it, they would be to. stupid if they didn't release a new Silent Hill game now. <laughs> yeah, okay, but Konami is also heavily invested in the mobile space too. So, yeah, but I mean, they've been they've been quietly releasing some shit, and like, granted, most of the time they're like just little like compilations of old things. But <laughs> I mean, that's that's a lot different though than the Konami that was like, oh, we're no longer making games. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're releasing collections, which I feel like could be something to satiate people while they're developing a larger project, which is totally got to be Silent Hill. Like, I feel like it has to be. Gotta be. Seriously, it's their most valuable IP now. And it wasn't until PT came out. But now it's their most valuable IP, I think. In my opinion. <laughs> I love how you always, you always start off like this is a fact. And then it becomes, I think, and then in my opinion, and then I just want it to happen. <laughs> like it, it really, like you just can, you start off on a high point and be like, I'm just gonna eventually trickle down my credibility on this <laughs> as much as I can. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta backpedal a little bit. I don't want people a to little bit. It's not like 100% in the total 180 at all, but <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no. A, a, a Silent Hill game from Konami. I I genuinely believe this generation, it has to happen. Uh, like, and I I think that if they don't, then they're they're really fucking up. Like somebody over there needs to make it happen. Hmm. But hmm. yeah, do you think this is a VR game? <sighs> no, I don't think so. At least I don't think it would be something that's like. Strictly VR. I don't expect it to be a VR exclusive. It might be one of those games that has VR enhanced capabilities, like a Resident Evil Seven type deal. Even even then, that game was through and through a good VR game. I, I don't think this game will. It'll be one of those things that says better in VR, but even then, it's just like meh. You know, well, like, hard, did we don't we don't know anything that I think it considering this studio's um, expertise in the VR area, I think if they do anything with VR, it's going to at least be good. Um, but I'm not saying it'd be oh, bad. Yeah, I'm saying it's not going to be you know this. It won't be a selling point. It'll be a thing the game can do, but it won't be the reason you play the game. I do think that if they're making a triple A <laughs> horror game. It can't be VR exclusive. Right. So, like you, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, and then one last point before we move on to the, to the big meat. Um, the big meat. The big meat. Are we going to have a big meat every episode? I mean, I guess so. Or big bit. Okay. Whatever. What do you want to call it? A big bit? Big meat? I like big meat. <laughs> I, damn it. <laughs> uh, that was a Freudian uh, slip there. I'm sorry. Yeah, something like that. Um <laughs> Jesus. Uh, any hooser, 
Last bit I was going to say is a new IP, especially if Firefight knocks it out of the park, will solidify them as a, a big time player. So if they like it's if they can take something, build it from the ground up, and it is a massive AAA quality game, and it's got that PlayStation love and care input into it that we see with everything else that comes through, then every Fire Sprite gets on not on the same level as like Sony Santa Monica or Naughty Dog, but they get up there. They start working their way up. You know, they, they, they will no longer be looked at as the little guy. Um, or that one PlayStation studio kind of deal, you know? Well, I think with that amount of employees, we should never consider them the little guy. Uh, <laughs> That's true, but I mean, if you look at like what they've done, like comparatively speaking to other PlayStation studios, it's like, who the fuck is Fire Sprite? But, yeah. so, you know, any user. Steven, it happened. For months, we have talked about what Project Spartacus is. And now we can officially say what what's Product Spartacus is. Spartacus Spartacus is. It's the big meat for this episode. <sighs> An all-new PlayStation Plus launches this June. Uh, this is all you can find on the PlayStation blog. Um, essentially what they're doing is what we've very much speculated, right? What everyone's talked about or has led to. Um, PlayStation Plus is going to integrate PlayStation Now. PlayStation Now as a standalone service will no longer exist. And PlayStation Plus will then be broken down into the three tiers. So I'm going to very quickly, as much as I can, run through these three tiers, including pricing, what they feature, and then we just dive into what we think and what we feel. And a lot of the opinions are swirling around on the interwebs about it. So kicking things off, we have the essential tier. That's pretty much what we get with PlayStation Plus now. It's 10 bucks a month. $25 quarterly, 60 bucks annually. You're getting a set two monthly free games, online multiplayer, cloud storage for your save data, and exclusive discounts. Nothing new there. It's kind of what already exists. You're kind of cutting back on what the free games are, which is fine because originally it was just supposed to be two and then occasionally just changes based off of what's happening, whether a new console releases or they're having a big bonus because they want to put some emphasis on another product they have. Who knows? Um, so there's that. Following that, we have the extra tier. This is $14.99 a month, so 15 bucks, 40 bucks quarterly, $100 annually. This adds everything you get the essential tier, but you have up to 400 playable PS4 and PS5 games that are downloadable, not streamed, downloadable to your console. That's big. Now that they've already collected PS5. That includes PS5. And so that's, on the that's blog post, they even talked about that games like Death Stranding, Spider-Man, Spider-Man Miles Morales, and God of War will be available via this tier. So and, uh, they also mentioned Returnal, Mortal Kombat 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so which, we're talking third party uh, as well. Steven? Why is it? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought it froze. Like, I don't know where to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying to like see how long we could pause. <laughs> um, so there's that. Then the final tier. And this is the one where we get a little hanky. It's called the premium tier. It is $17.99 a month, $49.99 quarterly, $119.99 annually. 
Wow. This adds downloadable and streamable PS1, PS2, PSP, PS4, and 5 titles. This also adds, for PS3 games, cloud streaming. This adds an additional 300 up to 340 titles. We also get game trials. And this games via the service, uh, this tier level can be streamed via PS4, PS5, and PC. Um, now, with this, this does not... PlayStation has already come out and said there will be no day one launch for games under the PlayStation Studios titles. Um, this is due to Jim Ryan states in an interview over at gamesindustry.biz that by giving that away, you we would hurt the quality of what people expect of a AAA PlayStation Studios title. Games like God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon uh, Forbidden West, um, Death Stranding, uh, Gran Turismo. All those games would be hampered down due to quality because they're being dished out for free via the service. Um, but he also quoted that that's just from now. Nothing is off the table, though, as in the future, things could always change. Steven, yes. let's dive into it. Where do you want to start? Um, well, first, let's talk about the service itself. Um, okay. So uh, the three tiers, that's what we talked about before. Uh, so that was expected. Um, it just wasn't entirely certain what the tiers contained. I like that the initial tier is the same exact price. It's basically same old, same old. I like that. Um, that means that the price isn't going up for people, which is something that was a concern. So yep. that's nice. I actually, I think the pricing is reasonable. I think it's fair, especially considering um, the amount of content. Uh, mm -hmm. The only thing, so I guess my only critique, I guess, um, is... Uh, no downloadable PS3 games, um, so no specific PS3 backwards compatibility, which is a bit of a downer. Um, it's something that I wanted. I still think that that's something that could possibly happen in the future. Um, I think it would be really freaking cool. Uh, but one thing that's really neat is the emphasis on like legacy titles or, or older titles um, with the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation Portable for the first time uh, being a part of this. I'm excited about that. Downloadable PSP games? Pretty cool. Not, yeah, um, that's big. That's big, yeah. big, big. That's, that's, that's really cool. I'm excited about that. That's probably the thing that I'm most excited for out of all of this, honestly. Um, I think the game trials thing is pretty interesting because that's something that's sort of been kind of beta tested. Uh, I think like Death Stranding was... Uh, one that was tested, uh, I can't remember if that was in North America or in Europe, uh, but they did like a game trial thing for that where you could play the first, I think, hour or three of the game mm -hmm. uh, and try it out. Uh, so that kind of thing is pretty cool. Uh, my big question, uh, which I'm sure is the question on everyone's mind, um, is... Will there be trophies in these PSP games that I'm going to be downloading? Uh, because I think that there should be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I want it to happen. But also, uh, PlayStation has filed patents in the past about retroactively adding trophies to mm -hmm. PlayStation 1 games and PSP games. Um, I think it actually specifically mentioned PSP in 
this uh, patent. Uh, so that's pretty neat. And I mean, it's been mm -hmm. a while since this patent was first filed, uh, but still, I, I think that it's a possibility, and I think that would be pretty freaking dope. I want to get a platinum trophy for Daxter. That's what I want to do. So, uh, as far as like the tiers and everything, the pricing and the content that's included, um, how do you feel? Uh, I mean, so I will just start from the top, right? Pricing, I think, is great. Um, I'm glad, like you said, with the essential tier, nothing changed, right? I think that's good. It was originally rumored that that would be uh, 13 bucks a month, I believe, is what people talked. Um, so knowing it didn't go up is really good, especially when it's staying the same. And if anything, it's kind of be stripped bare back a little bit. Um, if we go back to when PlayStation Plus first came out, game trials were a part of that service. Like, that's what you got. Granted, it, the, the games that were in that service or that were included in those trial windows were pretty limited. It was there. Um, so knowing we're scaling that back, and knowing that I imagine with this, they're going to stick very strongly to those two games a month. We've talked about it in the past where the two games a month is like, okay, yeah, it's two a month, but then, oh, there's always a reason to give more. And then lately we've gotten four games. Sticking, there will be more sticking to that. So keeping it at that $10 price range a month is great. I think a big advantage that PlayStation has with this also is that they're keeping the annual structure. There's nothing stopping you from spending $60 a year to save money and just get this done because you know you're going to use it. That's awesome. Um, and having that feature available to the higher tiers, the extra and premium, Top-notch choice there. Um, I think the ability to download, like, I was more surprised. I was thinking downloadable would be, you know, the creme de la creme of this feature. I thought we might see more streaming-focused things. So knowing that just by doing the 15 bucks a month or 100 bucks a year, you get up to 400 playable PS4 and PS5 games downloadable on your console, that's big. That's Another a big fucking deal. Like, that is huge. So knowing that they just bypassed it and said, hey, no, fuck that. We're going to cut the streaming. Those games work natively. Download them. That's big. That I did not expect. I love that. That's really cool. Now, we dip into the premium bit. Again, I think pricing is good with the amount of content you get and what you're able to do. Um, having downloadable and streamable PS1, PS2, and PS PSP titles is great, especially with the PSP. Um, that hasn't been a big focus. PlayStation is not in their mobile hand space really focused a lot on the PSP in, in recent years. Um, so knowing we can go back to that. Now with that, I would like to see some of the bigger PSP titles be added to the library because two of the biggest PSP games were never even released on the digital space. Those being Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII, and Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. So granted those games, or at least one of those games was released in the compilation with uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 prologue um, deal on the PS4 and the, I believe it came out on PS3. Um, no, I believe that was just PS4, but that came out. We never have seen Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII ever come back and it's still regarded as one of the best PSP games out there. Um, so I'm hoping we see that library little, you know, breath of fresh air, give more reason for people to be enticed by that. Um, I think adding the streaming ability of PS4 and PS5 titles is cool. It's you no know, a little but you know it's a little icing on the cake because you can already download them. But if for any reason you want to stream them, you can. So that's cool there. Um, like you, I'm a little bummed about the cloud streaming of PS3 games. But if there was anything that was going to be only cloud streaming, 
I highly expect it to be PS3 games. It, it just is what it is. Um, like you said, in the future, that could change, um, especially if they see a huge, like a high subscriber count for the premium tier. If they see the people are doing it and they see a high foot traffic on the PS3 games being streamed, I imagine that will influence the decision because I don't think it's something that can't be done. Um, I think Blessing Out of Yoye Jr. said this on Kind of Funny Games Daily when this dropped, that it can be done. It's just really, really fucking expensive. So I think if anything happens, we see those games downloadable and get a native backwards compatibility. Sony's got to see a return on investment. And it's kind of hard with the PS3. Because a lot of those games didn't work too well, like third-party games that are multi-platform. Historically, they ran better on the 360. That's just how it was for a long time. Then on top of that, the games that were big, big sellers on the PS3, it's a good chunk of them were then released on the PS4 as a part of an HD remaster of some sort or collection. So it's you gotta be it, it, it's gonna be hard. It, again, I'm not saying it's not doable. There's got to be a reason to say, do I need to make this thing native on here? Because there's a PS4 version of it that already is native um, and is already upgraded from the ground up already. So that's there. Adding an additional 340 tiles with that, that's awesome. We're looking at upwards of 700 games available to do, to, to play on your PS4 or PS5. Day um, one. Op- yeah, like that's fucking awesome. That is huge. Uh, game trials coming down from what was already wrapped in the PlayStation Plus package several years ago is going to be a premium thing, which is understandable. I get that. You might, you know, if you want to be able to try the games before you buy them, this is a great way. You're still saving money. You're saving time from having to spend 60 to $70 to find out if you even like this game. So what's it? you pay $17.99 just for that one month to try that one game that's in the trial, you've saved your money there. Um, and then you get all those other benefits in that month anyway. And then adding the ability to stream these games, not only on the PS4 and PS5, but also via PC, is also big. Granted, PlayStation Now was available on PC and, hell, even some Sony Bravia TVs back in the day when it first launched. To see them <laughs> support this and continue to do so is cool. And making it a like front and center, like, hey, PC is still here. PlayStation's relationship with PC is not going away. If anything, we're making it a premium choice. So those who want it, they'll pay for it. And like PC gamers, you know, they already spend quite a happy penny making those PCs. So I can't imagine 17 bucks a month or 18 bucks a month, sorry, is breaking the bank for them. Um, so overall, I think it's huge. Steven, day one, which tier do you think you would pick up right away? I'm going premium. Okay. I'm going okay. premium. Uh, I'm going to probably just do a year of it and then. Mm-hmm after the year kind of assess whether I want to keep it or not. But um, it's definitely for the PSP games. And I might as well also stream some PS3 games, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I most most of it is I just kind of want to be able to experience it and, you know, see how I feel about it. Um, I've almost pulled the trigger on getting PlayStation now several times. Uh, and then I keep not doing it because, uh, I mean, it used to be just because of money. But now, uh, <laughs> like, recently I've almost gotten it, and uh, then rumors about Spartacus and everything were really ramping up. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to wait and see what happens. And now that we know what happened, what's happening, I'm going to do premium. But yeah, Are you yeah. going to go premium, or are you going to go the middle 
I feel like you're going to at least upgrade something. Yeah, I, I definitely would upgrade. I think what I would do, and this is based off of what we hear more of in June, um, I think I would go extra to start off with. Um, because simply, like, while it's cool to have that massive library and be able to stream PS3 games, have the ability to play my PS1, PS2, PSP titles, I don't have the fucking time. I can barely play the PS5 games I've got, let alone the PS4 games. And you want to add more to that? I, I don't have the time nor the patience nowadays to really do that. But at the same time, if I say, like, a big thing, I've also come close to pulling the trigger on PlayStation now. If not, just do it to do a month of the service and see what it's about. And I really want to fucking play Batman Arkham Origins again. Um, and this is the only way it's going to happen if it's even available via the service. Um, so that would be it. I would want to see like, okay, cool. If I upgrade, like say I buy a year of the extra, right? Cause that's the route I would go. Um, can I upgrade to the premium at a prorated discount? And then if I do upgrade to the premium and I don't like it after a certain period of time, can I just down downgrade? to the extra which i imagine would be like once the year is up or whatever it is so i don't know i would like to be flexible i would like to be able to play around my options here but starting off i'd probably just go extra i think uh i mean obviously this comes out in june i'm excited to hear more details specifically about like upgrade paths uh mm -hmm. i know that they mentioned um that if you have playstation now it'll basically carry over to premium mm -hmm. uh for the duration of your subscription. So uh, there's that, but I'm curious if like once you're in, there's an upgrade path for different tiers, how that's going to look. Uh, I'm curious to see details on like the specific games. I'm mostly interested to see what PlayStation 1 and PSP games um, and PS2, like are we gonna see stuff that we haven't already seen available on the PlayStation Store in the past? Um, like you were talking about the Square Enix games, uh, mm -hmm. Birth by Sleep and Crisis Core. Uh, but also, like, there's a lot of PS1 games that were never available to download digitally, and there's a lot of PS2 games that were never available to download digitally. And are we going to see some of those? Am I going to be able to play Guitaru Man from the PSP or the PS2 and get trophies? Probably not, but I really fucking want to. Uh, so all of that, I'm I'm really excited to to hear more details in the coming months. Um but yeah, I, there there is one thing that I wanted to touch on um, that's related, and that's uh, you mentioned um, Jim Ryan talking about how we're not going to see day one releases um, on mm -hmm. this new new PlayStation service, um, and uh, he's been getting a lot of pushback online. A lot yeah. of people are saying that you know this paints. Uh, PlayStation negatively and that um, it's kind of, some people are saying it's an insult to, to other games, saying that having them release day one kind of um, lowers the value of these, these games. Um, and I, I think there's a lot to unpack with all of that, but um, I think it's important that we look at it for what it is. And PlayStation makes money from their exclusive first party titles mm -hmm. and in the industry um there just aren't first party titles like playstations anywhere else they're they're unique they're considered industry standard every like almost every time that they come out they're like they're top notch right um 
oftentimes, or, or at least lately, oftentimes when I see people talking about Jim Ryan's comment, um, they compare it to Game Pass, and then they say, oh, well, Xbox can do day one releases from their first party stuff. Um, but to that, I say, Xbox doesn't have exclusives like PlayStation. Like, they just don't. Their most valuable IP, arguably, which is Halo, they released for free to play because they wanted people to play it. Um, people don't spend the multiplayer money on, aspect, but yeah, but people don't spend money on Xbox exclusives in the same way that they spend money for PlayStation exclusives. And I don't think it's necessarily an insult to say that PlayStation exclusives are better than other games, um, because they kind of are. <laughs> Like I, I think I think it's like they're first of all more expensive. Um, mm -hmm. They're they're massive budgets, um, but also they 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 sell tremendously well. Uh, they they become sort of these industry darlings. Uh, like I mean, look at Naughty Dog for example. Nobody's making games like Naughty Dog, and uh, anyone who has any qualms with me saying that specifically about Microsoft Studios, uh, they don't even have to take my word for it. They can listen to Microsoft because internal documents that were leaked during the whole Apple fiasco um, with Epic uh, show internal emails of Microsoft representatives, like micro or Microsoft executives, saying that Last of Us Part Two was above and beyond anything being made by anybody anywhere in the games industry, especially at Microsoft. And they said that they needed to step up their game. And around that time, Microsoft is acquiring all these different studios. Um, there's a difference in that I don't think Microsoft is necessarily developing games. It's more like they're building the platform. They're almost like a publisher. They're buying talent and then letting people make the games that they put on their platform because they want people to subscribe. But they're not making games like PlayStation is. PlayStation is a very talent-driven um, company. Like they invest in talent, not necessarily IP, which is what Microsoft is doing now. Not necessarily in a platform. I know that they just announced a new platform and everything, but they are all about creating like a creator community or like a development uh, environment uh, mm -hmm. focused on talent. I mean, we see with the acquisition of Bungie a shit ton of that money for that acquisition is going into talent retention because they don't care about having destiny in their portfolio. They care about having the people who make games like destiny. That's the whole thing. Um, so yeah, PlayStation doesn't need to have their games day one on this service because people are going to buy them either way because they're fucking awesome games, but not everybody's going out of their way to buy gears of war. And most people probably wouldn't play it unless it was on Game Pass. So, anyways, that's my whole entire... I'm stepping off my soapbox now. <laughs> but um, I want to hear, hear your thoughts on this. Like, Do you think that PlayStation needs day one releases in their new PlayStation Premium service? I say no. no. I, do they need it? No. Would it help them, in a sense? Would it drive the sales number of the service? Yes. But I think we need to go back. So like you mentioned, you know, Microsoft did a ton of acquisitions. We talked about it maybe, what, two, three months ago. The amount of money that Xbox has at its disposal, being under the Microsoft umbrella. They can afford that. 
Oh, you fucked up. I fucked up. You fucked up. You fucked up. But anyways, you're back to that. You're fine. Back to it. It doesn't have the level. I mean, Sony just doesn't have that money, right? They've got to be careful how they spend their dollar. Microsoft can afford to be a little experimental with things. At least more so than anyone else right now. So, yeah, they can afford to put their day one stuff out there. Because they have a bunch of other revenue streams coming in, driving a lot more money than Sony is as a whole. So, when you take that and look at how much money PlayStation puts into their studios to make these massive, technologically advanced games, yeah, they probably can't afford it. It's what it comes down to. I, I imagine, personally, for me, like hearing this, it's an affordability thing. Much like I said about the PS3 thing, with them being native backwards compatible, PlayStation's got to see enough of account. Even Game Pass didn't have day one exclusives for their studios dropping on it right away when it first launched. It wasn't there. You had some, not all. That became a selling point, I believe, a year later. And that's because they started seeing more subscriber count. They could say, like, hey, we can justify this now. Let's do it. PlayStation's not there yet. They've got to see what people do this. If they see enough people subscribe, to, or at least upgrade, and the money's there, and they see like, hey, you know, we can take a bit of a hit and we can still the same level of quality games, then yeah, I imagine they might do it in the future. Now, granted, do I think they'll have a turnaround as quickly as Microsoft did? No. Again, they don't have as much money. Now, at the same time, we go to the quality of the game that comes out. I'm not going to take anything away from Microsoft because they do put out quality bangers. But they had a strong year with building franchises that led the way and paved the way during the generation of the PS3 and 360. Games like Halo 3, Gears of War was a fucking phenomenal franchise with the first trilogy. Granted, the last two have not hit the same high level. They're still there. <laughs> and yeah, they, I, I just don't think they sell on the same level. Uh, not anymore. They did. Two and three definitively did. But not four and five definitely have not. Um, you, you've seen it kind of stagnate, but you're right. Microsoft's very much, they don't have 700 over games. They don't have three generations to backlog off of or four generations and a handheld to backlog off of to put in their service, right? I mean, Game Pass, like PlayStation service alone already has a higher count of games available to use because of their legacy. And that's what they're building this off of. This is about the legacy of PlayStation. This isn't about making it something where your new games are available to play right away, this and the other. This is giving people the ability to go back and play those games they haven't been able to play a long time without having to dust off a PS1, a PS2, or trying to even find an existing functioning PSP that hasn't been modded. <laughs> or that doesn't have an exploding battery. Yeah, like this is what this is for. That's what it is. It is what it is. So do they need it? No. Will they get there? Maybe. Do they? It, 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 it's too much. It's too early to say for a lot of this, in my opinion. And I again, just, I, you have the people like me who aren't going to go to the premium service right away because we don't know what it's all about. We might just want mm -hmm. to play the PS4 and PS5 games because we don't have the time to play all the little games. We may not want to. We might still have our old consoles that still function just fine, and we don't mind playing them because they run better natively on what they were. All right. Um, so, I have one more question. 
regarding the whole Spartacus thing. Um, and arguably, this is the biggest question. Typing it. What? Typing I was it? Just typing it. Yeah. Oh. For the banner. I made the banner. Oh, um, okay. So. Now that we have the details and stuff, I know we don't have all of the details, we don't have all of the games, but we'll probably ask this question again multiple times um, <laughs> leading up to and yeah. immediately after. Um, but does this beat Game Pass? How do you feel? No. I don't think it does, but I also don't think it's in the same exact space as Game Pass. Again, Game Pass is about making every Xbox game, excuse me, um, accessible to its player base. It's, um, how do I say this? Game Pass's biggest focus right now, its biggest selling point is the day one game's coming out on it. Um, it's not about backwards compatibility because you can get a 360 disc and put it in your Xbox One and put it into your Xbox Series X and it works just fine. You don't need Game Pass for backwards compatibility. Um, again, I think the biggest selling point for Game Pass now and has been for a while, day one releases for those um, uh, for its exclusives. And that library, as we've seen these acquisitions, is going to grow with its day one releases from Bethesda, um, from eventually Activision Blizzard, if not already sooner rather than later, um, Obsidian, and so on and so forth. Whereas, again, these PlayStation games, the biggest thing for PlayStation right now is its legacy. We're not going to see day one stuff on there because it's not about building and making everything available to play everywhere, which is the goal of Game Pass because it affects PC, it affects their Xbox consoles, um, and there's already rumors, there's always been rumors about, like, will it come to Switch or will it come to this? It's already available on the Steam Deck, you know? This is very much a way for PlayStation fans to be able to play old games again. That's it. It, it. This is a more of a backwards compatibility answer than it is a get your content on everything answer. It's about bringing bridging the gap. Whereas Xbox never really had a gap; they had to find a way to cross to get backwards compatibility going. Because they've always had, for the most part. I don't want this to sound derogatory, but simpler hardware. It's always been easy to develop and make games on. Yeah. PlayStation had that hiccup with the PS3, and that fucked everything. It became, all right, PS2 games don't really work on it too well, but PS1 games do, and now we have PS3 games that don't work at all on PS4. How do we bridge that gap to get everything to just carry over? And it's like, we don't have, we can't make an emulator. Because everything has been kind of vastly different over over the time of these years. So what do we do? And they have to get creative. How do we make it cost affordable? How do we make it work? How do we make it reliable? And this is what they came up with. I think it's a fine solution. Um, but again, to answer the question, does this, does this beat Game Pass? No, because I can't say it's, well, it may be competing. It's not a direct competitor. They're in the same space, but they're not head to head. Yeah. All right, what about you? That's all fair. Um, I mean, do I like this more than Game Pass? Yes. Um, but that's that has a lot to do with the games that I like, and I, I just think PlayStation has better games. Um, 
just point blank. Like I would rather play um, like PlayStation Legacy titles than what Microsoft is releasing brand spanking new uh, like today. Uh, but I, I think, I mean, they are different services. So um, Game Pass was specifically a thing because Microsoft needed something. Uh, and it was because they were they were losing, honestly. Um, and they needed to regain market share and they needed they needed to give people a reason to buy their console is what they needed. And so they went for the value proposition um, of, oh, here's a shit ton of games. You get this system or you don't even get the system. Just give us money and you can have access to a shit ton of things. Um, so their Game Pass is investing in mind share, market share. Um, they're investing in getting people hooked and stuck on their service. Um, whereas PlayStation, I don't think they necessarily need to. Uh, this whole premium thing, um, I honestly don't even think that they need any of this premium thing. Like They could just carry on as usual and be fine. I think this is just future-proofing because um, I think the future of games, unfortunately, is, is going to need more curation um, kind of like Apple Arcade or, you know, things like that. Um, I think separating the PlayStation first party stuff from PlayStation premium is a good move on their part. It makes financial sense and it does kind of, it, it basically with things like game pass and this PlayStation premium service, um, there's not as much money in it at all. Like mm -hmm. Microsoft is losing a shit ton of money with game pass. Um, while that's not confirmed, they have not ever said that it's profitable, uh, which is, yeah, I feel like they they would if 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 there's that. But yeah, also, they, like, they, they're also weird about, like, releasing sales. They just released how much, I don't know if it was an exact number, how much they spend on getting licenses available to put games on Game Pass. And it was a pretty big number. But that's the first time Microsoft released any kind of number of sales-wise in probably the last seven years. We never even got sales numbers for the Xbox One, and we stopped getting them for the 360 halfway through its console cycle, even when it was leading the charge. So mm -hmm. it's they're weird about it. So it's Well, I think I just feel like uh, these subscription services, in the way that they are now at least, mm -hmm. it's mostly marketing. It's mostly about keeping the mind share or, or, or staying within... Um, it, it's it's keeping people in your market, right. uh, and I feel like Microsoft is basically investing, and they're losing money because they later want to just get as many people invested in this service so that they can then lock a bunch of things to it and then raise the price and then make it profitable. So I think they're investing money into the future in terms of of that. Um, but then I think PlayStation, oddly enough, is using this to keep people on their platform so that they spend money on PlayStation games. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's kind of like a completely different strategy. Uh, it's interesting, though, that they look similar. Uh, while not the same, they do look similar. Um, but I feel like this almost goes back to, and you mentioned this earlier, the way the PlayStation Plus used to be, where you pay for this thing, you get access to a shit ton of games, you get discounts on the store, um, and you get all these nice little things like game trials or early access to demos and stuff like that um, back when PlayStation Plus first happened, um, which I think a lot of people forget that PlayStation Plus 
did that. Um, yeah, a lot of people forget how old that suit that that is because especially during that time when all that stuff happened, it wasn't required. You didn't need PlayStation yeah. Plus to play online. It was which just a thing you it, could do. Yeah, which makes it even more crazy to think about because, like, I know I've said this a bajillion times before, but holy fuck, PlayStation is always ahead of their time to a fault. It's like they always do something like 10 years before it's relevant and then like other people start doing other things and then they they one up but like they build off of the things that PlayStation did. It just it's it's so interesting to see. Like um free games for example, like just giving free games with PlayStation Plus and then mm -hmm. games with gold comes out um you know, like a year later or whatever. And then uh, having just a huge catalog of games immediately as this optional subscription service. And then Game Pass happens years later, years later. Um, and now PlayStation is basically just going back and they're, and throwing in streaming as well, which mm -hmm. um, the game streaming thing is actually, that is unique, right? What do you mean? Like streaming, streaming a game instead of having to download, does Game Pass allow you to stream it? Yeah, you, if you get Game Pass, if you get um, xCloud, big, a big selling point for Game Pass, because if you had Game Pass Ultimate, which really is the best way to get anything serviced with Xbox, because it wraps in Game Pass on PC, you get EA Play, you get Game Pass on the Xbox, obviously, and you get Xbox Live Gold, and you get Xbox, you get xCloud. So I can, if I have a, like a little controller thing on my phone, so like the, the jawbone or whatever it's called, I can strap that into my phone and I can stream from my Xbox to my phone and play a first party Xbox game. I can play Forza on my iPhone. Um, so yeah, I didn't, that, that's I, didn't, I just didn't remember whether that was part of game pass or its own separate thing, but I, I forgot about the ultimate thing kind mm -hmm. of rolling that all together. Uh, but anyways, so, uh, I think the main difference is the games really. Uh, and yeah. Uh, so anyways, I, I didn't answer the question. Uh, it, <laughs> Uh, because it's really up to the individual. And I know that's a cop-out answer. It's a bunch of wank, but still. Uh, a bunch of wank, the man says. <laughs> uh, it's entirely up to the individual. Um, but I will say, I will say, uh, think about the end goals of these services and ask yourself what game industry you would rather have. Um and me personally, and, and this is this is definitely, you know, just this is how I feel about the situation. Um, me personally, I don't want the game industry to turn into Spotify. Um, and I don't want games to have to fight to be the one that's seen on the top of this massive catalog of things. Um, I think that PlayStation's answer, as of right now, from what I can see, is a little bit more sustainable for studios and for creators who want to make certain kinds of games. Uh, because with Game Pass, uh, like if you think of Spotify, for example, um, there's a lot of music on Spotify. Mm -hmm. But a super duper 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 small amount of music on Spotify makes the artist any money because most people are only listening to, you know, like the big artists and stuff like that. Um, what's kind of interesting about PlayStation's answer to all of this is the big artists 
are allowed to make their money, and it doesn't infringe on all of the little guys, at least not to the same extent. Because uh, like when something releases on Game Pass day one, you've got you know the new Forza Horizon or you know Halo or something like that. It's going to be really hard for Boyfriend Dungeon uh, to get anything. So I don't know. That's just. Well, do you so? Question. Mm -hmm. So do you not think that having a game? that may not be catered to a, a wider audience. So a game like uh, Tunic or uh, Boyfriend Dungeon, where those games may not cater and speak to a large-scale audience, like a game like Forza or Halo does, do you not think having them receive a lump sum of funds from Xbox to put the game on there, to get them, like, you know, have something to start off with, and then have be accessible to really anyone just to try... And then once that game comes off of Game Pass, it's twenty percent off for a window of time after it comes off. If you're a Game Pass subscriber already, for to me that that sounds like a good deal for the indie developer because now they can reach a wider audience and they still get a lump check to start things off without anyone having to play the fucking game. I think the thing is, I don't think that Microsoft is going to keep doing things that way. Uh, and my reason for thinking that is. It has to do with financial. Uh, oh, yeah. Because I, I I really don't think Microsoft is making money off of Game Pass. Like, okay. I, I, would, I would bet money on it. I would bet the amount of money that Microsoft is making off of Game Pass. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways, I, I don't think they're making money on Game Pass, and it's because they want to get people hooked, and I think that they're going to change the pricing and the structure once enough people are there. And they're locking in all these things so that they can be exclusive on Game Pass in the future. Um, in my opinion, I think that that's what's going to happen. Like, yeah, uh, Activision, for example, said that they're still going to have Call of Duty um, on other consoles, or at least that they're going to uh, stick to their previous agreements and things like that. But mm -hmm. once Microsoft is ready to pull the trigger, um, I think they're going to... And the reason why I'm thinking this is because... I'm looking at Microsoft's history and how they've done things in the past as a company as a whole, not just Xbox, right? but as a company as a whole. And we look at Microsoft Office. Microsoft Office started as an extremely affordable, very useful, user-friendly thing, um, and then they got it everywhere. They made it the industry standard, or the office standard, I guess. Um, they spread it as far as it could go, and then they switched to subscription, and now they make a lot of money, it's a worse product, and it's this thing that people are just locked into because it's Microsoft Office. Um, and then we also, uh, like, we, we see that elsewhere um, with the way that Microsoft does things. And it's, it's something that kind of scares me for the video game industry as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, also you look at things like, like Netflix, for example. Um, Netflix has a shit ton of shows, a shit ton of exclusive things that, that launch Netflix. Um, and then a lot of quality content that gets canceled. Like shows in mid-season, uh, or you know, in, in mid-story arc, I guess, just get canceled mm -hmm. because people aren't watching them. 
And it's not necessarily because it's not quality, but it's because people aren't watching them because they get lost in the shuffle because there's just so much stuff. And so curation is a problem. Uh, being able to, to uh, show people things that are worth your time, it's it just, it's hard. It's, it's really hard to compete. And the games industry is only getting more and more competitive. Um, and I really don't want to see those kinds of things um, affecting the industry that I love the most. And I'm just trying to take the the signs that we're seeing now with, with some of these things, I'm trying to project them into the future and think mm -hmm. of them from like a, a business perspective for each company. And you're right in the sense that PlayStation can't afford to put their games day one on the service. But also the flip side of that is Microsoft can mm -hmm. because they're a large, they're a fucking massive company and they can afford to lose money. Right. Like exactly like I said, they can't yeah. afford to take that hit. And that to me, that's kind of, it's like, okay, well, what are they building up to? Cause they wouldn't do something if they think it's just going to make them lose money forever. It's an investment. Mm -hmm. And so what's the end goal? So how I would think... you change Game Pass in order to make it profitable? And the way that you change it is it's the price is going to go up. And I think that it we might end up looking at like a Netflix style thing or a Spotify style thing where maybe developers are paid for every minute or every hour that a game is played. And I think you kind of answered your own question with that a little bit, though, is what what's the end game? You eventually said the big thing with Game Pass is uh, profit share. Can you get an Xbox into a household with this? Um, or market share, but yeah. Or market share, yeah. It's not. It's a no-brainer, right? It's been talked about a million and one times that Xbox's goal is to get into every household possible and touch as many consumers in as many different ways possible, whether it's a console, your phone, or a PC. You've got PC monitors coming out, televisions coming out with a label saying, like, Xbox ready. That's a thing. The goal is to create that ecosystem. The goal is just to get in the household. I think that is what will, like Microsoft can take the hit, not because it's losing the money per se, but they've got other revenue streams as a corporation to help offset it. So they can afford Game Pass to be losing some money because, hey, if, that, if we lose money here, that's fine. We're going to get all of it right back from the other thing we're doing too. That's okay. We'll take that. That's what we're still gonna be profitable at the end of the day. Sorry if I'm shaking, guys, or starting. I'm very cold. <laughs> but it is um, cold. I'm it is freezing down here. I thought I'd be okay, but it is not. Um, but that that's there. So, and then looking at the end game, like what is their end game? I think it's just very much to Xbox capitalizing that market share again that they lost with the era of the PS4 and Xbox One. This is like how do we get there? And they know services. They knew services was going to be the next big thing. And like, we got to get ahead of it. What can we do that's extremely consumer friendly and is easily accessible? If you remember, Game Pass already had a price hike once. It was $10 a month. Now it's 15 That only took a year and a half, two years to happen. Granted, though, when it did have the price hike, that's when we saw day one games come out on it. I think, and then even then, that happened, that price hike happened, and eventually they wrapped Xbox Live Gold into it. 
Yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying is maybe we'll see another price hike. And that's when we're going to see Call of Duty is a Game Pass exclusive. And but then people I also will be like, don't... oh, take my money. And then it's it becomes this... It, it, I, I, I don't think it, it'll... I don't think it'll turn out good for the industry. Um, I think is basically what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm just, I'm curious to see how the industry handles it and how we um, address these kinds of things. Um, mm -hmm. But, and, and of course I'm projecting these kinds of things pretty far into the future. This, this is a, a prediction. Cause I do think that the future is going to end up being more subscription services and things like that um, with, with some exceptions. Uh, but I think that uh, the I, I honestly think the writing is on the wall with um, the things that Microsoft has been doing with the history of the company. Um, I I think we're we're going to start to see a shit ton of stuff being locked behind Game Pass with crazy prices. That people are just going to be stuck into pain because they're it's subscription. That's literally what subscriptions are for. It's like gym memberships. Like it's like they would they they just want you to pay perpetually and forget about mm -hmm. it. Um, and that's why I still have Netflix, even though like I don't even watch Netflix, but I have it because I feel like I have to. Um, and that's why I'm sure so many businesses have Microsoft Office installed on all their computers and their corporate yeah. I think offices. consumers if you want if consumers fought it more. And I think that's where the trend comes from is like people like subscribing to things like fucking loot box that remember that like that was a big fucking thing because people just like subscribing to shit. And like, loot box also to... doesn't exist anymore. That's true. But that's because eventually all those things like the quality of what you got and it became easy to just buy those things separately everywhere you went. There was no real driving force as to why I should get this box anymore. Well, but loot box anyway, also got price got very pricey. Yeah, they tried to do that thing, but they didn't change in the content in there. That's there was the level of content wasn't going up. I think mm. that's where we're looking at a difference here. Is that yeah, I imagine prices will go up, things will be behind a paywall, but it'll also be what do you have access to? I mean, Game Pass is losing money in an as is an aspect, and one of those reasons is because of how much shit you get just because you pay fifteen bucks a month. Uh, and PlayStation, I don't think PlayStation will be as innocent in this either. I think they'll go into the same realm in the future. It is very much, we'll get you in. It's about it's the Apple approach, right? It is, everything is better when you have all things Apple, because they all work together. They all work seamlessly. They connect right away, this, that, and the other. Everyone's trying to build their ecosystem. And the only way you can build an ecosystem is that you got to find a way to encompass it and make it hard for people to break out. Uh, and this is we've we've talked this conversation to death, right? We've had this conversation on the show. We've had it off the show. It, this is much like how I feel about the state of play thing, where it's like I will die in a hill talking about how their fucking branding for it makes no goddamn sense. Whereas you think like this is going to be the thing for future in gaming, and it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It just is. Um, all in all, I think this new PlayStation service. I think it's good. I think it'll be great for them. I think this, once people get more details and we get comfortable with it, people will be happy this exists as a convenience thing. Like I mentioned earlier, you don't have to go dust off the old console or make sure it still works. It just does. Um, you know, all you have to do is pay a little bit more money on something that you're already paying for. 
So. But, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for joining the show. We appreciate it. This was a good one. This is a big one. Uh, we had a lot to cover. Um, it's the big meat. It's the big meat. I can probably guarantee we will not have a sizable week like this next week. <laughs> um, remember, this is Dual Senses, a PlayStation podcast. You can catch us here each and every Friday at 9.30 Eastern time. You can catch us live via Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. You can all, if you can't watch the live show, don't worry. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the YouTube video will be up at a later date. Remember to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Let us know how we're doing. If you want to come at us, you can support the show and help us grow by going to www.mtfproductions.com forward slash donate. We can donate as little as a dollar. But until then, we'll see you guys next week. See you later. Thanks for tuning in. Love, love, love.